Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to a super special Christmas bonus episode of the Long May She Rain podcast. I'm Aiden. I'm your host for this podcast. Guys, we have a very special treat for you. Lindsay's here again. It's me. I'm the gift. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay. How are you? Um, I got up at the time when we were supposed to start filming, so I kind of had to rush, but other than that, I'm good. Good. Um, well, uh, I, I told each of us to uh, bring a special uh, drink today since it's Christmas. It actually won't be Christmas by the time you guys are listening to this. It'll come out the 22nd. So like Christmas Eve, 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 Eve. Um, <laughs> so uh, I brought a hot chocolate that's actually not hot because I couldn't heat it up in the microwave because apparently this cup isn't microwave safe. So it's more like cold chocolate, but it's got booze in it. Because I went to a liquor store for the first time. Uh, they did card me. Like, they checked to see if the ID was mine. But they didn't ask how old I was. Even though I am old enough, it felt like I was committing a felony. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when I walk into a store and I don't buy anything. I'm like, yeah. oh god, did I rob something? <laughs> it feels like you robbed something. So, Lindsay, what did you bring? <laughs> My drink is um, less fancy because I forgot we were supposed to have a Christmas tea drink. Mm-hmm. So depending on who you are, I have this thing called iced tea <laughs> that I have. Plus, it's only 11.45 a.m. Mm. And I'm not a Gallagher, so I'm not drinking right now. <laughs> You're about to offend all the Brits that listen to me. not any actual Gallagher's. <laughs> You're about to offend all the Brits that listen to me with your iced tea. <laughs> they can do whatever they want. I'm just... They're the life of the party. That's why they do that. I'm boring. <laughs> okay, uh, so today on this Christmas bonus episode, we're going to be talking about uh, what the tutors did for Christmas because if you listen to this podcast, you know this week I'm talking about Anne Boleyn and this episode will be released with part two of her story. So I thought it might be interesting as a Christmas present to you guys to learn about how Anne would have seen Christmas and what kind of traditions that the tutors did and like how similar they are to us. So uh, sit back, relax, grab a cup cup of warmer cocoa than I have and get ready to learn about Christmas and the Tudor times. Let's get into it. Okay, so um, I want to just start with like the origins of Christmas in like uh, Catholic European kingdoms and like how we got Christmas and then how the Tudors kind of like evolved that. So um, as I was researching this, the Tudors kind of seemed like to be like a turning point for Christmas traditions. Like they really like made Christmas Christmas. Um uh-huh. The traditional English Christmas actually has its origins in the 9th century when uh, King Alfred the Great enshrined in law the importance of keeping up with the church's feasts, which was Christmas, and he commanded that there should be a holiday on Christmas Day and the 12 days that followed, for it was believed that the three wise men had journeyed for 12 days to see Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Right. Um, okay. 
Now, up until the 4th century, Christmas was celebrated, like, anywhere between uh, September to January. Like, it was pretty uh, fluid based on where you were in Europe. Uh, But Pope Julius I uh, decided to change Jesus' birthday, which used to be celebrated in the summer, summer or spring, it was around there, uh, to uh, December 25th, which coincided uh, with other winter holidays, like uh, Hanukkah is pretty close to Christmas. So, like, when Jews would convert to Catholicism, it would be, like, pretty normal uh, for them to celebrate Hanukkah, but they could celebrate Christmas instead, because they converted. So, it it made for easier conversion if you converted. Funny, so that it was celebrated, like, from September. Sorry, that was a weird thing my voice did. Um, From (laughs) September to December, I'm like... Nothing really changed. People had their Christmas trees up in September, and I was mad about it. Yeah, I did. You know, we actually decorated early because, well, I live with my two grandmothers, and I didn't want anyone to break a hip uh, trying to put up winter decorations in the middle of winter. So we started decorating, like, two days after Remembrance Day. (laughs) Yep, we started, like, the weekend after that, and now my house is holly jolly. I have a... Sorry, what was that? You're going to have to say that again. You cut off. (laughs) It's okay. I said I have a tree, like, on my dresser. It's not a big tree, but (laughs) I'm in the Christmas spirit, I guess. Sweet. (laughs) So, as I said, many Christian traditions and, like, pagan traditions were merged to make a lot of uh, traditions that I actually had in the Tudor era and a lot of them that we still have today. And here are some that I thought might interest you guys. So, we have the idea of the Yule Log. Uh, which a, a lot of people don't use very anymore. It's not a very popular Christmas tradition anymore. Uh, but it was a totally cool thing to do in the Tudor times. So basically what would happen is, like, a large log would be selected in the forest on Christmas Eve. Like, you'd, you know, grab little Timmy and Bartholomew and go into the forest and pick up your log. Uh, then it would be decorated with ribbons and laid in a fireplace and it would be lit and you had to keep it burning throughout the 12 days of Christmas. And it was considered lucky to keep some of the charred remains to put on the next year's log. Dump. <laughs> of that. Yeah. Like a Yule. Yeah, exactly oh, like that. They look good. I've just never bought one. Yeah, it's not it's not really a thing that a lot of people do anymore unless you like follow like uh, pagan traditions. I think it's a really cool tradition. If I had a fireplace, I'd do it, but I have an electric fireplace, so that's not happening. Um, I just don't even have a fireplace. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, one other thing that actually became incredibly popular in the Tudor era was caroling. Um, during the twelve days of Christmas, which lasted from Christmas Eve to January fifth, um, and this. 12 days actually gave peasants days off, so this was, like, one of the only times of the year where they would get uh, days off from working, and they would go around to their neighbors and sing songs and uh, eat uh, minced pie with their neighbors, which I think is fun. (laughs) What is minced pie, and why does that sound both delicious and weird? I am going to explain, I'm going to explain that to you right now. So, um, interesting side note about minced pies ingredients. So each pie would have 13 ingredients in them representing Christ and his apostles. Typically, uh, they would be dried fruits, spices, a little chopped mutton, uh, in remembrance of shepherds. 
And you know what? When I was writing this, I was really hungry. <laughs> so now made some minced pie herself. So now I want minced pie, even though I've never had it. It's basically like, it's like, oh, it kind of looks like a like a jewelry box that you just stick a whole bunch of ingredients that can be uh, sweet or savory. It depends on how you like your minced pie. And then you cook it all up. It was very normal uh, food that they would have eaten back then. TikTok challenge? Try to make minced pie? Oh, that would be fun. Now, now that I am properly very hungry again, uh, let's talk about a little bit of the feasting that royals and noblemen would have gotten up to, like um, Anne and Henry would have done, because royals and nobles were going to be the one, ones eating the most on Christmas, because <laughs> they had the most money. Now, um, Henry VIII had a massive influence on Christmas food when he introduced the turkey into English Christmas feasts in 1523. Uh because around this time, the New World had been discovered a few decades ago, and turkeys are indigenous to North America, and they started bringing them home, and Henry VIII was one of the only people who could afford turkeys in England, so he started eating them, and everyone was like, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> he started a trend early, he, those poor he, turkeys. They're like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> you did. just vibing, and now you're eating us for dinner? I thought we were friends. He did, he did start this trend, Henry Henry VIII, trendsetter. <laughs> um, now, they also Basically, had... Basically, if you say you're a trendsetter, you're just following a trendsetter. Exactly. Um, now, they also had pretty big Christmas pies at royal banquets, stuffed with meats of all kind, and to wash it all down, you would get a drink from the Hwassel Bowl. <laughs> the Wadi Bowl? The wassail bowl. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. I think it's Welsh. And as people who listen to this podcast are aware, I don't know how to pronounce shit. Um, me the fuck, neither. <laughs> so let me tell you what a wassail bowl is. It was basically like this wooden bowl about probably, you guys can't see it, but it's probably about the size of like a, um, maybe like a salad bowl. And it would be filled with uh, ale, sugar, spices, and apples, and this bowl would be passed around for everyone to take a drink out of, and the last person to get a drink out of it would be the king, and at the bottom of the bowl there was a crust of bread, which would be given to the most important person in the room, which was generally the king, and this is where we get the idea of a toast at parties, so, uh, Lindsay, raise, raise your glass, even though I can't see you right now, toast! <laughs> that. <laughs> I just had the sudden urge to yell Rona when I realized they were fucking sharing that. I'm like, what? No, also, but th there was always sweating sickness. Wouldn't that like, <laughs> be soggy if it was in liquid? Yeah, they did. They didn't mention how they did that. I get. I don't think the person who got the toast ate it. I think they just got it to be like, here, <laughs> here's a soggy piece of toast. That's disgusting. Why couldn't they just put it in like a freaking sandwich bag or something? <laughs> a medieval or whatever this was sandwich bag, all right? Yeah. Well, uh, we should we should go back in time and be like, "Hey, why can't you, you just a freezer bag and say here cuz y'all just y'all need some help." Y'all are weird. Here's a sandwich bag and they're going to be like, "What the fuck is this?" It's a gift. 
Anyway, moving on. Now, as much as the food was great, the poor people uh, had to fast a full month before Christmas started. Actually, everyone had to do this. It must have sucked, but it was probably great to stuff yourself on Christmas after that, because after you fasted for that whole month before, you could eat as much as you wanted. <laughs> that sounds kind of intriguing. It does sound kind of intriguing. All right. Too bad we're already too late to do that. <laughs> No kidding. All right, so let's move on to Christmas traditions. Okay, now that we've gotten through most of the food and I'm no longer hungry anymore. <laughs> Can't relate. <laughs> let's talk about some other traditions, uh, starting with Christmas trees. And by Christmas trees, I mean the lack thereof of Christmas trees in the Tudor era. Thank um, you. I was I literally asked this question every year. Like, why the fuck? It's the Christmas tree, like the, whoa, whoa, I cannot speak, the most known symbol of Christmas. Why do we bring the forest into our house to be jolly? I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that. I have an explanation for you. So uh, Christmas trees in England were not super popular until about the 19th century because uh, Queen Victoria's husband, Prince Albert, he was from Germany and uh, they did Christmas trees in Germany during Christmas, so he brought them over. Uh, that's the story I hear a lot, but before Prince Albert, a lot of, there were a couple of kings who had German, like, queens, so I don't know if Albert was necessarily the first, but maybe he was the one who popularized it, so I'm not really quite sure where the Christmas tree first came into England, but Albert is usually the culprit <laughs> of who did that. Now I know the son of a bitch. <laughs> and then uh, we came here, and now we have Christmas trees, so thanks, Albert, I guess. Thanks for making me have a fake forest in my house, Albert, because you totally <laughs> thought this shit through. But um, one of the earliest people to uh, really uh, popularize Christmas trees in the Tudor era was this dude named Martin Luther. Sure, you've heard of him. You know, the guy who nailed his 99 theses onto a church door, basically telling uh, the church the 99 problems he had with them. Um, so, basically telling them to just eat shit? Yeah, that's, yeah, basically. Um, so Martin Luther is really credited with, like, inventing the idea of the Christmas tree. The story goes that on a winter's night in 1536, Luther was walking through a pine forest in his home of Wittenberg, Germany, uh, when he suddenly looked up and saw thousands of stars glinting like jewels among the trees he was walking through. So, um, it inspired him to, uh, take a tree home, set up set it up in his house with candles and uh so that it will remind his children of the stars um that that's how he came up with that and uh the first other isolated record of a decorated christmas tree in england also dates from this period uh apparently a fir tree lit with candles was set up in london but other than that, I can't really find any other uh, records if anyone else had Christmas trees in England. Uh, if they did, it was very, very rare back then. Uh, I mean, good for him. Good, good for Martin Luther. <laughs> now, let's talk about Santa Claus. <laughs> me the fuck out. It's about to get creepier. Just wait till you hear about the Tudor version of Santa Claus. Now, um, the Tudors did have something very similar to Santa Claus. Uh, before the Tudors, the Saxons welcomed winter in, um, 
the guise of King Winter or Father Time, and the Norse uh, welcomed the god Woden or Odin, also known as the Yule Father, and uh, Woden would leave gifts of bread, so that was their Santa. But in uh, Tudor times, they had uh, a figure called Captain Christmas or Prince Christmas. Um, Prince Christmas, that doesn't sit right with me. It, it does not, no. It's about to get worse. Um, uh, his job was to ensure that everyone was happy during Christmas. And another character that they had that's also very similar to Santa was Father Christmas. Uh, this person would get dressed up in green and wear this ugly-ass mask with a wig. Um, and make sure everyone was having fun at parties. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the the jingle jangle is happening? (laughs) I don't know, man. The Tudors were weird. And actually, you know, it actually sounds like kind of fun. I want to party with the Tudors. They sound like fun people, other than all the executions and religious turmoil, of course. But, you know, they sound like fun people to party with. Well, Security Santa can stay away from me, but I'll party with them. Alright, moving on. Uh, one fun thing that I did read from Henry VIII's reign is that every once in a while in London, the Thames, which is the river that uh, flows through London, would like freeze over every once in a while if it got cold enough, and uh, people would like go out and play on it, even though that sounds really dangerous. I feel like just a lot of history is made up of, this is dangerous, let's fucking do it. <laughs> Basically, um, one example of the king actually kind of doing something like this is in 1536 when the river uh, froze like completely solid. Henry VIII and his third wife, Jane Seymour, rode across the river, which was like a way faster route, uh, to have a party at Greenwich Palace. So they they walked across the Thames. Actually, I think they took their horses, but <laughs> they they went to go have a party at Greenwich Palace after walking over the river. <laughs> party at a palace. <laughs> well, if you were alive in Henry's time, especially when he was a teenager, you would have had tons of fun at parties. All he ever wanted to do was party when he was a kid. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Now, speaking of parties, the Tudors had some awesome games that they would play during Christmas. They had hunting and outdoor sports, which sounds cold in the winter, but all right. Um Sorry, what was that? <laughs> I said, gross, I'll pass, it's cold, it's stupid, no thank you. <laughs> and usually at court or at noblemen's houses, there would be games of shuttlecock. Um, <laughs> they would have some paid entertainers like acrobats, tumblers, fire eaters, and jesters. Which sounds like so much fucking fun. Um... <laughs> They also had a game that they played called uh, Hoodman Blind, where someone would put on a blindfold and, like, chase other players around the room until they caught one. And then when they caught that person, that person would become the next Hoodman. And, you know, that just sounds like a fun game of tag. I feel like a lot of people would fall over, though, since it's not like a Marco Polo where you can, like, hear the people. You just have to, like, walk around the room blind. I hope they move the tables out of the way, or else that sounds like a lot of bruised knees. (laughs) Dangerous game of Marco Polo. Will you survive? <laughs> Probably not. In the Tudor period, no way. 
Also, uh, masquerades and balls became very popular with lords and ladies. They would dress up, and during Anne Boleyn's uh, daughter's reign, Elizabeth I, uh, going to the theater uh, on the 12th night, the last day of Christmas celebrations, was a huge thing uh, because Elizabeth supported playwrights like William Shakespeare, who would put on plays for everyone at Christmas, which was a huge thing. Um, Unpopular opinion, but Shakespeare is overrated, and I am not... I don't like him. <gasps> um, Can we just be honest that Romeo and Juliet is way too romanticized for the shit that happened in there, and it's just too overrated? Well, William was dramatic. <laughs> uh, Samesies, but still. <laughs> he channeled his dr- dr- dramatic tendencies into place. The OG drama queen. Exactly. Now, uh, one aspect of Tudor Christmas that I read is, like, that's different from ours is gift-giving, because instead of exchanging gifts on Christmas Day like we do, uh, they exchange their gifts on New Year's Day. I'm already <laughs> impatient. I wouldn't, like, I would not manage to wait until New Year's. Well, it's only, like, what is it, like, five extra days? <laughs> yeah, but I also like to give my presents, because it's really hard to keep them a secret. <laughs> Well, uh, you're not going to beat out uh, Henry VIII as in his first year of king. Guess how much money he spent on uh, presents in his first year as king. And this is in euros, by the way. So choose your number wisely. <laughs> um. Oh God, math. Um. <laughs> how much I, do you think an 18 year old boy who's suddenly got all this power would spend on Christmas presents for everyone? Oh, God, like, how much is, like, 10,000 euros? Not even. He spent the equivalent of 400,000 euros on presents the first year he was king. (laughs) Silence from the squad. Silence from the squad. (laughs) Well, when you're an 18-year-old with unlimited power, wouldn't you? (laughs) You get a castle. You get a castle. Everyone gets a castle. <laughs> Freaking Oprah Winfrey King over here. Like, holy shit. Now, the origins of gift giving during Christmas have been a feature in, like, several winter holidays. Uh, the Romans, who celebrated, oh, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Saturnalia, which was the celebration of the god Saturn. Uh, I forget his Greek equivalent. I forget who Saturn is in Greek. I, I don't remember. Anyway, but they, they exchanged gifts during uh, Saturnalia, um, and the custom had survived into the Tudor age because uh, Christmas o- also absorbed a lot of Roman traditions. Um, presents were pretty much the most crucible, crucial I'm sorry, aspect of New Year's Day, and it, was, and it could usually be of great political significance when you exchanged gifts with another king. Like, hey, uh, here's this gift on Christmas. Also, would you like to marry my daughter and start an alliance? <laughs> Uh, what? Uh, mm. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Um, other than uh, gift giving, there was also usually a big feast on the last night of Christmas celebrations on the twelfth night. An enormous cake uh, was served containing uh, fruit, flour, honey, and spices. And inside the cake, uh, they would usually bake a bean or a coin. It depended. 
uh, and slices would be handed out to the guests as they arrived, and whoever got the coin or the bean in their uh, slice would be crowned uh, the king or the queen of the bean for the evening, and they would uh, instantly become the host instead of whoever was hosting. And they would lead dances, and they would have so much fun. (laughs) Um, The king or queen of the bean, okay. Yes. Now, uh, sometimes this was rigged. Usually the recipients were um, uh, selected in advance, which sounds like cheating, but okay. (laughs) That's absolute trash. Sometimes it would be random. But it's mo- not fun when it's not random. Come on. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, when the 12 nights were over, you had to take your decorations down or it was like considered like bad luck. I'm sure my dad would agree with that because every time, every day on Christmas morning, every day that I've been alive, <laughs> my dad always jokes on Christmas morning, if we can take the decorations down now because he's a Grinch and he fucking hates Christmas. <laughs> hates Christmas. Like, Christmas is definitely not my favorite holiday, but, like, don't be a Scrooge about it. I literally, I got him a Grinch shirt, like, two Christmases ago, and he's, he's embraced it. He's embraced it. Good. Anyway, back to what I was talking about. Now, the reason, uh, it was, uh, bad luck, uh, to not have your Christmas decorations down by the end of the 12 nights was if greenery was not put outside again, the tree spears would bring disaster to the household in the coming year if you didn't take your decorations down. Because the trees would get mad at you. <laughs> Are you mad at me? <laughs> is, that a, is that a joke? Because I'm tall? <laughs> no, I'm talking to the tree. <laughs> oh, oh you're, ta- oh, you're talking to the tree in your... <laughs> I think we need couples counseling. Yes, I think we do need. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but I have just... another tree in my room. You want to see it? Uh, well, the, the people can't see it, but you can, you can describe the tree to them if you would like. <laughs> the tree is wearing a trench coat, and he is an angel of the Lord. And that's all the hints I will give you. <laughs> If you send me a picture, I'll post it on Twitter when this goes up. (laughs) Alright. Now, just because Christmas was over for the peasants, uh, that did not mean it was over for the rich people. They got to celebrate Christmas up until February 2nd, where they would uh, switch from Christmas over to Candlemas, which was the Feast of the Purification of the Virgin Mary, uh, and the King and Queen of England generally would uh, go to Mass on that day. Um, on this feast day, the churches were filled with candles and packed with people, and they would celebrate Christmas coming to to an end, and usually it was time to clean up the mess, get back to work, settle back into normal life, and on Plow Monday, the first Monday after Epiphany, people went back to work and Christmas was over. (laughs) Okay, we're coming to the conclusion of the episode, and (laughs) we're gonna... Relay our thoughts on what we think of Tudor Christmas. So I I think it's interesting as a person who celebrates Christmas without all the religious shit to read about all the interesting things that Christians and other cultures um, merge together to create Christmas that we know of today, especially the Tudor period, because the Tudor period, like, 
had a lot of great things about Christmas, but right after the Tudor period, uh, the Puritans, those motherfuckers, took out the Stuart kings of England, who were the dynasty after the Tudors, and this bitch named Oliver Cromwell, who was their leader, he, he essentially banned Christmas. <laughs> what is with you in silence? How do you ban Christmas? So, you see, the shitty thing about Puritans, and I don't mean to offend any Puritans who might be listening to this, though I doubt any are, uh, Puritans don't like fun. Puritans suck. <laughs> they so banned... They were the wet blanket? They were they the wet... On the parade? They were the wet blanket. During Oliver Cromwell's time as a protect, I guess he was protector of the Republic when England became a Republic briefly for about two decades, the Puritans banned alcohol. They banned plays. They banned Christmas because Christmas involved all those other things. <laughs> Buddy, if you're miserable, just fucking say that. Like. <laughs> Jeez, and don't need to take it out on everybody else who wants to have some serotonin at least once in their lives. And even after the Puritans were eventually kicked the fuck out when the Stuart Kings came back and got their throne back, Christmas was kind of meh for several decades until Queen Victoria got on the throne and she's like, yo, let's have fun again. And English Christmases became fun again, so uh, God save the Queen. <laughs> We love her. We do. Good for her. We, we, we stand Victoria sometimes. Girl, it depends. Queen. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you, Lindsay, so much for joining me for this super special Christmas episode of the Long May She Rain podcast. Uh, did you have fun? Was, <laughs> I did, and I finally like how I actually know some shit about Christmas trees now, because I never understood it. Also, Santa is creepy, and... Hallelujah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for joining me. I uh, hope everyone out there has a very Merry Christmas and you get all the presents you asked for. Uh, bye. Happy holidays. Enjoy your Christmas. Listen to this podcast. Also, go listen to Two Scary Stories with Edie. I'm giving them a free shout out because I love them very much. Bye. Yay. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMayShereign2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.